We are uh, in a series of messages uh, that began uh, in, during the time of Advent, looking at this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, and what that changes. What does that mean for us? What does it change about uh, our hearts, our lives, our nature, um, our minds? Um, what is the change or what are the changes that are worked in us through the coming of God as one of us, for God to be with us? And this morning we're going to take a look at uh, this idea of our destiny, that the coming of Christ, his birth, brings about an enormous change for us in terms of our eternal destiny. And the passage I want to use to explore this idea is in, found in the book of 1 Corinthians in the New Testament in chapter 15, and I'm going to be reading verses 42 through 58. I encourage you to follow along in your Bible or on the screen behind me or in the insert in your bulletin as we explore this idea that Christ has changed our eternal destiny, beginning in uh, verse 42 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Excuse me. So is it with the resurrection of the dead. What is sown is perishable. What is raised is imperishable. It is sown in dishonor. It is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. Thus it is written, the first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. But it is not the spiritual that is first, but the natural, and then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are of the dust. And as is the man of heaven, so also are those who are of heaven. Just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the man of heaven. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. When immortality then shall come to pass, the saying that is written, <clears throat> Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. 
So I'm going to share a snapshot of a day with you. Um, Kathy and I were in the hospital because we were expecting our first child. And um, that was a uh, laborious thing. Is that fair to say? Um, she was in labor, labor for several hours. Um, and uh, the the birth was not progressing, and so at some point the doctor does what doctors know how to do um, and, you know, said, let's go in and get that thing. So we said, okay, and uh, <clears throat> I'll never forget, uh, he pulls the baby out and says, well, dad, is it a boy or a girl? I'm like, I don't know. I have no idea. Well, I don't even what, I, I don't know. I was totally freaked out. Like, nobody told me they come out like Smurfs. They come out purple. And I'm thinking purple is bad, right? Um, so anyway, uh, we got through the trauma of all that. And at the end of it was this beautiful, sweet little girl. I did eventually figure that out. So... Um, Then something happened that I was not necessarily expecting. I looked at my wife very differently in a good way. And I just kind of went, wow, you are amazing. And there was this swell of, what's the word? Love, affection, admiration, respect, um, awe. And uh, that was a great day. You know, it, we'd you, you kind of progress together through a pregnancy, um, and it, it, it's more of a digression, right? And, and it gets to the point where um, I would, I'm just guessing, I don't mean to impose my viewpoint on all of you, right? But mom doesn't care about anything other than getting this thing out, Right? And so you go from this beautiful beginning of the pregnancy, the, oh, the aha moment, you know, we take the little test and everyone's excited. And then it's just like the morning sickness and the back pain and the whole, you know, just, and it just gets worse and worse and worse. And so finally that's over and you have this beautiful, awe-inspiring little bundle and then I look at my wife in a totally new way. Um, now, I should just say, if, if you're young and you're trying to get a man to look at you in a new way, this is a terrible idea, okay? Um, you, you don't want to try to do this in order to get someone to love you. But if, if you're already in love and you're already married, um, then this, this is a great thing, usually, <laughs> Um, 
So we'll just leave it at that. Uh, great day. And, and a birth brought about a new awakening, a new revival of our affection, or at least mine. Um, you can ask her for yourself. I don't know if it, you know. So, yeah. We'll, we'll just leave that alone. <laughs> Go back to the text. Um, and, and I say all of that just to try to bring us into this idea that, that a birth can bring about enormous changes. And, and the birth of Christ ultimately brings about uh, this, this indescribable change for us in, in terms of the depth in which we are now able to enter into the love of God and experience what God has for us in Christ. It changes everything. It changes who we are, how we live, how we love. And as this passage is, is profoundly focused upon, it changes our eternal destiny. Um, a birth leads to a resurrection that brings to us this amazing upswell of, of hope and joy. And so I want to I just sort of look at this passage in that light, that the birth of Christ is really aiming towards uh, everything that will happen from his birth to his resurrection and leaves us with the implication of what lies beyond. So where do we begin? This is a understandably weird passage. And Paul even sort of confesses about halfway through that he's trying to explain something that really cannot be fully explained. He says this is a mystery. We don't uh, have full access to the store of knowledge of, of what I'm speaking about. But we can put some words around it. We can aim our hearts toward it. And we can let this truth minister to us what it is intended to minister. And we'll, we'll get to that in a bit. But uh, first... Let's understand um, what this passage is saying about this change in our destiny. That we are first called to understand our redemption. We're called to understand our redemption in Christ. That he was born for a reason. And that reason was to bring about a, a reversal of the poles in this existence. And Paul speaks about this in a variety of ways. Um, you know, he talks about the perishable and the imperishable. And what he's referring to is, is sort of, you know, the, the, this life compared to the next life. Our state apart from Christ as compared to our state in Christ. And so, Paul talks about uh, this aspect of our redemption that Christ reverses the poles. That through what he does for us on the cross, 
everything goes from dark to light. Um, Paul's words, Christ takes us from a place of dishonor and weakness to a place where he bestows upon us his glory and his power. That we are transformed by virtue of what God has done for us through Christ. Um, Let's just talk about dishonor and weakness for a moment. Um, Dishonor comes in, in one of two ways to people. There's the most common form of dishonor. Uh, I can't believe I did that, right? We do that to ourselves. We, we do something that is not honorable, and we realize it, hopefully, and we bring dishonor on ourselves. There's another form of dishonor that comes by what someone else might do to us or against us. And this could come in any variety of forms, but if you've ever suffered injustice, I don't need to explain. Um, So we have these two kinds of dishonor and this state of human weakness that we exist in apart from Christ. And, you know, at the end of this passage, you see this verse... um, Verse uh, 37, if I I can put my glasses on. But but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know, man. If it keeps going, just bring me a new battery. We'll try that. Um, If you go to a Christian school and you see that verse on the locker room wall change schools, or at least get somebody to change the verse, because the verse is not about victory on the basketball court or the football field or in a swimming pool. It's about what Christ has done for us, and the way we enter that victory is through acknowledging our weakness, through recognizing that we are frail as human beings. Not a very popular American idea, I understand, But yet, Paul says that we are taken from this state of dishonor and weakness where Christ bestows upon us instead his glory and power. He reverses the poles of sin and he restores life. Paul says that Christ came and Christ died to give life. You know, uh, one of the things I value about my friendship with Miriam, sorry, Miriam, um, but she has this expression about people who enter your life and give life. They are life-giving friendships and relationships and life-giving people. That's a great phrase. Uh, You have added to my vocabulary, and I appreciate it. Um, And that's exactly what Paul is saying that Christ has done for us, that he entered into our world. He became one of us to impart to us life. Um, And Paul goes off elsewhere uh, 
you know, sort of against the people who take what Christ has done and try to use it to control people, to manipulate them or, or limit them. Or, and Paul just sort of says, no, no. It's about life and freedom and grace, not obligation and law and darkness. Okay. That Christ was born to restore life to our souls. Paul reminds us that he transforms us spiritually and that he remakes us in his image. And he uses this great discussion, which I think is actually very helpful, about the the lineage from which we come genetically, which is Adam and Eve. Um, And he says that first Adam, that first, you know, human, God breathed life into that person. And then, by implication, sin enters the world, and everything kind of falls apart. And so we live in this this state of detachment from God, and frustration, and sin, and sadness, despair, whatever you want to call it. Um, And Christ comes to bring, breathe life into us again. In, in the same way that God physically breathed life into Adam, Christ spiritually breathes life into us. We come to life spiritually because of what Christ has done for us. And so that's sort of step one. And, and I'll just, I just want to say one sort of side note from this discussion that Paul is using about the natural and the spiritual. And, and say that, you know, and he alludes to this in here, that, the, that he says the natural came first, that we were created physically first, and then, again, by implication, we fall into sin, and God comes to do something about that. But what we are physically is a representation of what God, how God works spiritually. And so, you know, when a baby is born and he or she takes that first breath, um, is, is an analogy for us spiritually. We literally come to life. We, we take on uh, this life, this joy, this incredible experience for ourselves. So, okay. We need to understand our redemption. We need to embrace our redemption. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time in my life fighting my redemption. Um, there's, There's all that Christ has done for me, and then there's me going, no, I, I think I got this. I, 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 I'm good. I'm fine. That's, that's the famous line in my family of origin. I'm fine. You, you've got pneumonia. I'm fine. I'm fine. Right? Um, all right. We have to embrace our redemption that is ours in Christ. And Paul says, don't depend on this life in verse 50. Um, and that was, uh, should have put my glasses on. That was verse 58 I was reading earlier. I said 38. Sorry about that. 
Um, don't depend on this life. In other words, there is more than what is in front of us. There is more to our existence than just this world. Thank God, right? Uh, okay. And Paul says we have to, at some point, leave this in order to get there. That's where he's trying to reorient our focus. And I don't mean this in some unhealthy sense. We don't want to be in a hurry to get there. God put us on this earth for a reason. And, and there's plenty of joy and uh, love to be experienced here. But this isn't all there is. There is so much more in store for us in Christ. And we are called to look toward that. To not be so focused on uh, whether we made the team or got the promotion or uh, any of the things of this life and world. We're not to depend on this life, but we're to live in the hope of what is to come. And Paul doesn't mean that we're to live in that hope in some kind of way that's detached from reality. He's not saying that. In fact, he goes out of his way to say the natural is important. It's not everything, but it's, it's part of how God created us. And it's not that we're um, advocating detachment from this world. It's that we're advocating engagement of this world with an eye towards what is beyond. All right. Um, Paul reminds us that we can live in the hope of what is to come because sin has been overcome by Christ and death has been or will be erased by life. This is the single greatest difference between Christianity and any other form of religion. It is so vastly different that you can even, it's fair to say that true biblical Christianity is not actually a religion. Um, it's, It's a complete change in our nature, in ourselves, and in our destiny. That we are connected to our creator. Um, it's not about the, religi- the religiosity. It's not about piousness. It's not about righteousness or self-righteousness is probably a better term. It's about the love of God for us through Christ that he has overcome sin of all things. Um, I don't know about you, but I don't, I don't natively live there. Um, my sin is very well alive and healthy. And I need and, and you need and we need to come back to and embrace that our redemption has been secured by Christ, that he has overcome our sin and that his death brings us life that cannot be erased or snuffed out 
or set aside. Um, we must understand our redemption. We must, underst- we must embrace our redemption. And we must express our redemption. These last couple of verses um, do an amazing job of coming to this realization or helping us come to this realization. Um, Paul says in verse 57, thanks be to God that we are to live as those who are grateful for what has been done for us through Christ. That we are to be grateful to God for his victory over the sin in our lives and over death for all eternity. And we are to be grateful for God for all that is ours in Christ. That taking of our sin and frailty and the infusing of his glory and his power that we can be, that we are changed as a result of what he has done for us. Um, That we can be grateful that this life is not all there is and that God shattered the shell of sin around this world by the birth of his son and led him through this life and into a human death that we can be can have atonement or forgiveness because of what he has done for us and then of course god brought him back from the grave and all of this gives us hope and casts our lives in the light of gratitude. So to express our redemption begins with being grateful. And it extends to engaging in God's work. To being those who are here on this earth for a reason. To impart to others the grace of God as it has been imparted to us not not in order to earn anything we don't we're not called into the service of god in order to be in his good standing we're already set in his good standing by virtue of the work of christ and what he has done for us and so this leaves us in this posture of gratitude and readiness to give and to love and to sacrifice because we've received so much. We don't engage in God's work in order to earn anything, but in order to extend his reach in this world, to take the grace that we have tasted and spread it out, to share it, to bring life to others. Um, You know, that moment at the end of labor and delivery um, seems very distant when you have a two and a half year old that's wrecking your house, right? And breaking everything she touches and um, waking up in the middle of the night and 
or a 13-year-old or a 17-year-old. My uh, my sister, this 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 will be a good one for you. My my sister uh, married a man who was the oldest of, what, seven kids? And she said to his mother one time, how did you do it? I've only got two, and they're driving me crazy. Um, you know, what's, what's the deal? And she said, well, what's driving you crazy? And my sister went off about, you know, whatever that stage of life brought, and her mother-in-law said, uh, honey, don't worry. That's just a phase, and it'll, it'll soon pass to a worse one. <laughs> you know, very life-giving, I thought, right? Um, but those, those moments fade because this world is not always bright and happy and fun. And we have to go back to this truth that all of that sin and weakness and despair has been overcome. That our redemption is secure in Christ that what he has done literally changes who we are and where we are going. Will you pray with me? God, our Father, we thank you for your word. And we thank you, Lord, that you had the courage to fulfill your word, to enter into this world as your son, Jesus Christ, to live a human life, to die a human death, but to do something so very unhuman when it was all over. You rose again, and you set before us the hope of eternity in your presence. You redefined who we are, how we live, and where we're going. And Lord, in the midst of the clouds and the darkness, remind us of that redemption that is ours in Christ, of that hope eternal that is set before us by your Son. And teach us, Lord, to live out of the strength and power of your grace. It is in your Son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen.